Welcome to the Coffee with Curls podcast, a place to have an honest conversation about everyday life while investing the knowledge into our higher selves. Make sure you sip on something good while getting an eargasm full of real. Stay tuned to a brand new episode. Hey, gorgeous people, it's your girl Mimi once again on this mic with a brand new episode of the Coffee with Curls podcast. And today I have a special guest. Guest, please introduce yourself. Hello, world. My name is Kaprash. I am the owner of Be Elite Fitness, um, the creator of the Millionaire's Crew Club, and the um, co-owner of the Virtual Fitness League. All right. Welcome. I'm happy to have you on as a guest. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. (laughs) So tell me, how would you describe yourself? Um, I would say multifaceted, but if I had to um, really break it down, cool, confident, reserved, but there's a there's a wild side there too. Oh, I will tap into that in a second because I was I'm going to talk to you about martial arts in a minute. Okay. Because <laughs> I'm curious about that. So tell me how you got into this whole fitness world. Um. All right, we got some time then. So yes. basically, you know, I was a very sick child, meaning I couldn't. Um, even walk up the block or um yeah just severe asthma okay so it was just uh i would just say it was a process of things um my father taught me to shadow box and then i started doing that for 30 seconds and i just remember being a kid i can only do that for 30 seconds and then just do like two push-ups, like literally two push-ups without dying. <laughs> How um, old were you then when you started? I was maybe like seven. Okay. Um, and then shout out to my uncle James, who was a Vietnam veteran. He taught me how to do something called box breathing. We didn't mm. call it, I didn't call it that at that age. I just know the name of it now. Okay. Um, so that helped a lot in, in, in developing, but everything really, so let's just fast forward from that, just giving you a little bit of my childhood. Um, 1996, I, you know, I'm in Trenton, New Jersey from, you know, get moved there from Brooklyn, East New York. And I, um, I found a, a flyer, so I'm about to start high school, found a like pink and black flyer in the storm drain, just walking from the store. And it was for karate. Mm-hmm. So what was funny, I just spent that whole summer watching um, The Last Dragon by Barry Gordy and uh, mm-hmm. like almost every day, Batman, the first Batman with Michael Keaton and oh, wow. Street Fighter Two, the animated movie. And on Sundays, you know, I would watch Purple Rain. It's like one of my favorite movies. Okay. Um, so I go to school, I found out this they had this thing called school base that was on the flyer and they was doing something called Goju Ru Karate. And um, 
So I had to forge my parents' signature because they didn't want me to do karate. <laughs> so I forged a signature and I had one of my um, hustler friends give me the money for my gi. Mm. And um, that was it. That's how the, the story started. And, you know, I guess I, not I guess, I, you know, I had a slick mouth and I disrespected my, my sensei because he was Muslim. So he was doing his prayer and I, you know, I stepped on his carpet and I said, is this going to fly up like Aladdin? <gasps> you did not. Oh yeah, very much so. I did. Ooh. And so when I showed up the class, I didn't know he was the teacher of the class. Yikes. So I had to do um, like 50 push-ups before the start of class, before I could train. And um, so that's pretty much how it started like that. So I would do the 50 push-ups and then do the full class workout and then spar a lot. So that's 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 pretty much my journey and he connected me. He had us every so it was 31 of us in the class and lucky me I was ranked number 31. By the way, <laughs> you know, I came in with nothing special. Nothing special. Maybe just my mind was always special, but I came in with nothing special. Hmm. Um, and I just remember yelling out, I'm going to be number one. I'm going to be in the front of the line. So I had to drop and do another 50 push-ups. So that was like 150 push-ups that day for me. <laughs> and, um, he connected me to my, to my now brother at the time, um, Ace. I didn't know who this kid was. And, you know, he was from out there. I'm from, I'm from New York. And, but he lived close to my house. He lived about three blocks from me out in West Trenton. And he became, he started coming to my house at 4.30 in the morning or 4.15 in the morning so we can go jogging. Mm. And yeah, I almost died a couple of times, but that's pretty, <laughs> the reason why I still get up to this day at like 3.45 in the morning. Like I've okay. have, I have not, not gotten up at 3.45 or between 3.45 and 4.30 in the morning since 1996. Oh, wow. Yeah. That discipline. Yeah. Yeah. So shout out to Ace to God and his craziness coming in so early <laughs> and, you know, making me run and just being, you know, just being there for me and that, uh, that Metallica Black album and that Nas Illmatic and It Was Written got me through. That, that uh, 1996 <laughs> journey. <soundtrack>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so it started off with a quarter of a mile, then a half a mile, and then I was able to run like three fourths of a mile. Like, yeah, it, it was a lot. And then I had to become extreme. Like certain sun, like every Sunday, I would mm. do 300 to 1,000 sit-ups every Sunday. Oh wow! Yeah. Wow. I was weak though. I was a weak kid. So, you know, I was just trying to um I guess push it, if if that's the word. And then I learned about like hot baths and um hot peppermint and stuff and spearmint helps with your breathing. Mm -hmm. because, you know, I, I never used the pump, right? My parents tried to get me to use the asthma pump and I threw it out the car window and it broke. You know. Oh my god. I knew, you know, I think it was because you know. I don't think it was the strength 
that I was trying to have that my parents was upset is the price. <laughs> I'm sure. Yes. You're like, I'm about to beat you up. <laughs> right. So yeah. with that being so expensive, you know, I was like one of the few times my father ever like put hands on me. Like I think I only mm. had like three beatings from my father. And I, oh, beat, was, like, I, I always say discipline stuff. I'm discipline. Wasn't abusive or nothing crazy like that. So. So how is your? Do you have asthma now? No, it actually got. Um, I was sparring with this kid named Chris. You're gonna love that his name got mentioned. But I always give him props for this. So it was, um, I think, 1997, 98 was the last bit of asthma I ever had. Mm. Um, I was sparring, and he caught me with a spinning side kick to my sternum, and I used to oh, have no. this knot in my sternum like that little knot little kids have mm -hmm. and he caught me right with his heel of his foot right in that knot right where the sternum is and um he dropped me to one knee and i just remember like um this ball of like slime came out it was like mucus, i guess so it was like gray and black and maybe like some blood in it like a clot of some sort, but it was definitely like a marble, like a mm -hmm. like a little bit bigger than a marble came out of my throat. And um, I remember that that was, and that was the first time I was able to take a full breath. Oh, wow. And then, uh, yeah, 97, a year after training. And um, then I was able to run like two or three miles because I just was building up to it. It took me like a whole year to run like three miles. So I don't want to make people seem like I was just doing it. He was it. out here like Rocky? Yeah, yeah. So I did that the winter of like 97. I ran like four miles in like negative degrees. It was pretty, it was brutal, but I had to prove it to myself, you know? So that's pretty much what, what happened. But it was definitely that sidekick and this orb of like goo came out. That's the best way mm -hmm. I can explain it, you know? And yeah. Uh, yeah, so I was around 14, 15. No, I was 15 at the time of that happening. So I came in doing karate at 13, about to turn 14. So yeah, four year, I was 15. And that was that was the game change. And then after that, I was I was a machine. That, that was it. So shout out to Chris for catching me directly in that <laughs> knot in my chest and whatever that orb of gray, black, and red that came out of me. It was just, you know, it was game changing. It needed to come out. I, I, it seemed like it needed to come out. So tell me about you as a kid in East New York, Brooklyn. Oh, me as a kid, you know, um, in the comics, you know, East New York was... It was very, to be honest, it was very friendly, very community-based. It was always rough, of course, mm -hmm. but you had community, meaning like I can go across the street and the, the icy lady, you put the quarter in the cup and she'll lower down the ice cube tray with the icy in it or the candy mm -hmm. tray. So it wasn't until like the crack era, the first Chinese restaurant came through. I remember that. You stop, you know, you don't see any any more strays. It was weird, and my pops wouldn't let us eat from there. Um, 
where we was home cooking everything anyway, but it just became weird. That store opened up and then crack hit. And then everything just started looking at Star Wars out the window. Like people mm-hmm. was walking around with like eight ball jackets with bullet holes in them and stuff like that. And then what used to be clean area started having like those crack valves and things of that nature. But it wasn't like random kids wasn't getting shot because, you know, they, they'll send you to the to the store. So I seen my first murder when I was, what, like three, four years old? Um, two women killed in front of me. Um, I would say this because I don't, me being from East New York as well. So when yeah. I hear people from East New York, it's like, because it never really gets mentioned even on commercial level. So when you tell people you're from East New York, they're like, where? I'm like, closer to Brownsville. Brownsville, like, yeah, East New York, Brownsville area. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> people understand that. Right, right. So growing up and uh, a kid from East New York, I've seen the 80s. I'm an 80s baby. And we right. see, you know, the crack vials on the floor. It was just- Oh, normal. yeah. So like those crack vials became everywhere. Mm-hmm. Those, those beige vials became everywhere. Um, the you know, the gen- if you are an alcoholic, mm-hmm. it makes with the crack, it made you a super fiend. That's why I never drunk beer. I just recently had my first beer like two years ago. Really, yeah, I always considered that for men who beat their wives, or oh wow, or it was just like some loser shit, and or, or about the fiend out. Like, I had a really distaste for beer because that's what I seen. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like the man who came home and needed that beer, they they weren't the best of husbands, per se. It, mm. it just in my in my visual position as a child growing up. I could know? see that. I could see that. So let me ask you, what have you learned from yourself doing martial arts? Oh, um martial arts is the only I guess true religion or true spiritual practice for mankind, I feel. And I say that with all integrity of that. I think everybody should train in something. I did. Something. And and, and it's and it's because it teaches you it gives you an honest truth that I think a lot of people are missing. You ever mm. see the stuff people write on the internet and I'd be like, Wow, that's oh, just yeah. because you've never been punched in the face. Like you write that. Yes. You never oh, been yeah. choked out. Like, you know what I mean? Or you <laughs> I you, do. You've never like been kicked in the chest or something like that. Like, yes. And then you can see, <laughs> no real talk. I'm laughing because there's a quote that Mike Tyson had. What does he say? You don't know something until you get punched in the mouth. It's something. Yeah, yeah everybody, everybody has a plan until they're punched in the face. The mouth. Yes. Yeah. And, and, it, and it's true because if you really think about it, martial arts is so game changing. And mm-hmm. I think like, you know, competing, like my parents, I want to be clear, they didn't, they didn't give a shit if I trained, like mm. they, they weren't at any of my competitions or anything. Like I have no pictures of me. We see, I have pictures of other people's family taking pictures of like, when you know, when you get your black belt and stuff like mm-hmm. that, in karate. and I went on to get my second degree in karate, then, um, you know, you normally have those things. I just remember bringing trophies home, you know, second place third place, um, first place or whatever. 
and they just look at the trophy and that was it. So, but it's something that they taught me through that not really caring. They cared, like, you know, my parents always provided for me. So I want to be really clear about it. Mm. But that they said, if this is what you want to do, that's a journey for yourself. So I say all that to say this, martial arts taught me the journey of myself. Mm. So when I wanted to go compete in Ohio, my parents gave me the space. They'll give me the money. I packed the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches mm. and um, like the what's the like the kids apple juice joint and some yeah. and then I had to go get get on a Greyhound because nobody was gonna drive me. Mm. So it, it, you know it's just one of those things. So I would say that the best thing that happened with me being a martial artist is that um, that self awareness awareness and that ability to continue when things get tough. Mm-hmm. That's true. So I'll uh, confess, I trained for a little while. I actually, a long time ago, when I lived in New York, I, um, you ever, remember Tiger Showman's? Yeah, yeah. We, I tried to challenge them <laughs> in like 98 and they wouldn't let me spar anybody. I was really disappointed in them. <laughs> I did for about a year. Yeah. And I tell you, it's probably the most revealing of self taking that because um yeah discipline is that kind of dis discipline is different oh yeah for sure i think that and that's another thing too that that discipline is so key to everything though it eventually it trickles down to everything it you does know, everything it doesn't make you a perfect person but mm -mm. it makes you, gives you the ability to do things. It does. Right? It does. And um, actually, there's really no such thing as perfection anyway. We had to think about mm -hmm. it. Certain, you have your perfect moments. Right. Right? There's perfect right. moments. But, yeah, just you have those perfect moments, but you are... You're forgetful, like things happen, you get in too late or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I've always stuck to the cold. My my was if you stretch every day and you drink water, you're gonna have longevity. And training always comes first. Mm. And to a degree, I might overboard the training always comes first. Like if I had a date with you and I could go train, I'll try mm -hmm. to go train and then go on it. Like I you know, like. You got to learn to prioritize things around it. Yeah. That's what you had to learn because everything was like training first, dating somebody with your lady. You're like, ah, uh, can I go? <laughs> train? She's like, nah, we got to go see my moms. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it becomes like, awkward. Gotta, let's bring mom along. <laughs> yeah, I had to learn to pick my poison with it. <laughs> but you know what it does it gives you a different discipline the year that I was able to take this God, I'm showing my uh, age I was probably 20 I was 19 and 20 so this is a long time ago um, but it probably helped me even see myself in a different light and what I was capable of right you know like physically mentally and how emotionally I was able to even do things I didn't think I could of course. And, 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 you know, I think it's that, um, 
that comfortability, you know, from your strength, you learn gentleness and from your gentleness, strength prevails. Mm -hmm. I know that sounds weird, but it's true. No, it's true. It is. So I'm going to ask you a question that I always ask people in general. How is your soul doing? Oh, my soul is very at, um, at peace. My soul feels steady, actually. It, you know, I know that I have some a lot of great things coming. And I've magnetized a lot of great people in my cipher. Okay. And like soul people, not just people for profit or what have you, but just like soul people. Y'all running on the same soul line because mm -hmm. you don't you don't get that with your family like family's bloodline but y'all might be on a completely different soul frequency that's right and so you know to have to have the ability to have magnetized you know new soulful people around and also you know cleared a lot of dead weight my soul feels really really content at this moment but steady waiting for the next, you know, waiting for the, um, the next chance to, to uh, excel and to keep adding to the legacy. Because I think everything we do, we leave a legacy. I agree with that. We do. You know, so. I know you're a reader. So tell me what is your favorite? Do you have a favorite book? It's always going to be the autobiography of Malcolm X. Okay. Um, I've, I've read the entire, when people say the Bible and stuff like that, I, I always call cap <laughs> straight like that. You know, I've read the Bible, the whole Bible, the whole Quran taught, like I've, I've really been reading. I used to read, um, between 40 and 60 books a year from mm. like 1999 to like maybe 20, 2010. You know, I gave myself a 10-year period to do that because I, I didn't want to go to college, so I wanted to read a lot, if that mm. makes sense. Yes, it does. Um, so that was my goal, and I stuck to it. Um, but the autobiography of Malcolm X was so game-changing. I read it back in maybe 95, 96, and just to see somebody transform their life, like transmutate their life. He was like the alchemist of his life. Mm. And I don't really get this, and I don't really see that in too many human beings to really take mm. the, the coal of their life and then make it into a diamond and then take that diamond and, and refine it again and make it a ruby. Like he was really transmuting his existence, Malcolm X, and all while fighting for the people. So I always, mm. like, I just... I've never seen that in real time. Like you hear that in myths, but if you really sit and you watch a human being do that, and it's kind of like, oh, wow, you can do anything that you have like a steady discipline toward. And if you keep your mind open to learn new knowledge, and if you keep reading and learning and developing, and if you're brave enough to, to, to transform, and I just I always would say the autobiography of Malcolm X. I know everybody says like the 48 laws of power and stuff like that to sound cool, but. Yeah, I've read that. I'm going to add that to my list, though. I'm yeah, I've read, I read the 48 laws of power, 33. No, I've read that one. But I'm talking about the Malcolm X book. I'm going to add that because I'm an avid 
reader. I read a lot. Oh, for sure. And you got to read the um, the Seasons book by um, Jim Rohn. Okay. It's another one I like. It's a, it's a short read, but it's so poignant about life. How okay. you go from your springs to your summer in life to your fall and then your winter. You know, a lot of people live there. There's springtime as if they're their winter. Mm. Right? But you don't come out of winter as a human being. That's the thing. Like, you transmute. Like, your body goes, spirit exhale wherever you think it goes. And that book really teaches you to, like, I appreciate this moment with you more than you know. Mm. Because we only get these, these special moments. So that's always a good book by Jim Rome, The Seasons. So if I have I'm gonna to, definitely read that. Yeah. yeah. All right, Kitty. Listen, I must ask for your book list. Don't play. Oh <laughs> no, I got, I got some. I got some stuff. I got some stuff. I got some stuff. Man. Don't play. I am one of those people that uh, one of my goals, like, is to have my own library in my house. Oh, you got to read Outwitting the Devil. Oh, okay. You you know I'm writing this down. By Napoleon Hill. Okay. And it really goes, to, and it's, it's really good for everybody, but it really adds on to that martial arts flair of not drifting through life, right? Okay. Yeah. Because you can see that. Like, you know, it's that, that saying, the, um, the devil loves idle hands. Mm. A lot of people yes. are just drifting through life. So they their, are. Hands, their hands are idle all the time. So they'll follow any trend to be known. You want to run up crates and fall on your head, so mm. you, you want to. Oh God! You know you want to be super thug and 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 not realize the, the the game of if this is what a person does, selling drugs is to make money to move on to something else, not to be a super crook. Like you know what I mean? Like it's. Mm -hmm, I do. It's just um, I, I just really thought that was a really really ultra good book that doesn't get a lot of play because it's called Outwitting the Devil. Well, I'm going to read that. It, it was actually banned when it first dropped. Really? Yeah. Okay. Why? Do you know? Um, the content, the way he describes the school system. So this was back in like maybe the 1920s, 1930s when he wrote this. And so he describes the school systems and the churches and, and other religious institutions as, so basically he's interviewing the devil. Uh -huh. And so the devil describes like he, how he loves the school system, how he loves your church, how he just loves all of that stuff because it gives people the opportunity to become driftless in life, to live with unnecessary fears and that's mm. what sustains his his society. Not to give too much of the book away, and that was really pretty much banned in, back then. Oh yeah, I'm bringing that. I'm very uh yeah. I'm gonna put a little check. To hold on, I got a little check well, on. So here. the same <laughs> problems people were talking about, like school of prison and stuff. He was mm -hmm. he was discussing kind of not. I don't want to say that particular thing, but how the schools are structured to lead you down to a particular degree or to live a life where you just drift through life. Like you never think for yourself. Oh, I can get that conversation right there. That can be a whole episode on its own. 
because uh, uh, just to give you a tidbit, uh, some of the stuff I share like on the background is a lot of like unprocessing and unlearning. Like who are you? Who are you without all the thoughts that have been given to you? Um, I am a sage and I am a warrior. Okay. I was ever a, a king in any lifetime, but I was always around royalty. So I am always, I will always be royalty in any lifetime that I'm in, in any frame that I'm in. And that's who I am. To simplify. No, that's, that's good. So tell me about your fitness business. Okay. So, you know, be a leaf. What I'm doing now, I want to just discuss um, something called the fire starter program. I just started it, um, you know, with the whole COVID thing happening. Um, mm -hmm. So I've been a trainer now. Actually, today is November 9th. It is. I made 14 years as a trainer today. November 9th. Oh, wow. Congratulations. So, yeah, that's kind of cool. Um, so 14 years today, literally today. Okay. Good for you. Yeah. Um, so I've been doing this. I have, like, multiple certifications. Pro no, I have more certifications than I have, like, fingers and toes. Um, <laughs> So what drove me to being a trainer and, and starting this particular brand, you know, I went from being a, I started off life as a mechanical engineer. Okay. So I graduated high school as a mechanical engineer. So I went to um, high school half the day and then tech school at the college for the other half of the day. Mm. And so the top three students got picked to um, hire for a job and get to start their career. So it was about 20 students in the class, and I was number one. I always have to put that out there. I worked okay. really hard that. Um, so I did that for like two years, maybe a year and a half, two years. But what they don't prepare you, they don't prepare you to socialize into that world, into that atmosphere. Mm -hmm. Right. So I didn't know that. 17 year old me because yeah i didn't turn 18 yet so that's 2000 i'm aging myself now so that's <laughs> 2000 um i won't put the company out there but they hire me and then they have um do your days that you run off and i always remember mm -hmm. saying well i want malcolm x birthday off and i want juneteenth off june mm -hmm. So that was way back in 2000. And my birthday and my mother's birthday and my father's birthday, both of their birthdays in August. And my birthday's in October. So I just remember these, you know, these white people looking at me like, what? <laughs> <laughs> he takes off for Malcolm X's birthday. I was like, I do. And I said, I even used to cut class for it, right? Mm -hmm. I cut school the day for it. My parents used to be pissed, but it just was what I, I felt always indebted to Malcolm X like that. Mm. Um, but I didn't know you wasn't supposed to go in there like young black man 
in, in that environment and state these things. So mm. I thought like everything was based off your skill. If if I'm skillful at this, then I should be able to get, like you asked me to have 10 days on the calendar. I give you eight days. I will work certain holidays as I didn't celebrate holidays. Mm. Uh, and it like blew their mind and, I, and it started down on the wrong path. You know, I, I was very naive in like reading, reading people in a business context, if that makes mm. sense. I could read yes. people from a street context, but I thought if you did the right thing, that the playing field would be a little regular, but it was the same as the street. You got to be able to read the whole thing. Mm -hmm. You time, do. If that makes sense. So, you know, it I, does. like me coming in, putting, um, I remember the first day I put, you know, Nas had the IM. Um, yes. The Pharaoh face. I put that on top of my screen. <laughs> I put the, um, the pyramids of Giza on um, as my computer backdrop. And that already, like, I was the only black guy. I just want everybody to know I was the only black guy on a team of 20 people. Mm. Right. So everybody was like white or like Latin white, maybe, but they were definitely like older white men and um, they couldn't understand it. I guess it was, you know, I was so used to being black that I didn't know. I didn't play the game. Did that make, does that make mm -hmm. sense? It like, does. Make I, grew oh, yeah. up, I grew up and not in fear of who I was. So I didn't know people would fear who I was when they saw the the, the real thing, you know. Mm. I, so I didn't know not to not to put the Nas I am cover on there, right? On top of my computer, I didn't know not to put like the pyramids of Giza up there. You know, I didn't know not to be like, oh, I need May nineteenth off, and when somebody said. What's that? And I go, man, like with such pride. You know, I was right. I was a pride. And you paying me what, like $19, $20 an hour. Mm. That was back then. And so um, so I'm trying to speed everything up, but I just wanted to give you my mind frame of being mm -hmm. a trainer. So long story short, that didn't pan out. Um, I met a really dope sister, Dr. Kalima. I always got to add her in the story at this club. She introduced me more so into the um, business entrepreneurial side of things that I wanted mm. to do. And she took me on my first book tour. She was working with um, a writer called Zane on Sex Chronicles. Oh, I have all those. So I, <laughs> so I did the first book tour of that, like Young Man Me. Okay. Right. Did some book tours for her with that. How cool is that? Right. And I guess That's what cool. I've never, I've never, I've never read the book. Oh, she has several. Yeah, I've never read yeah. Sex Chronicles or her next one. Right? Okay. So she, so she took me on the Sex Chronicles tour, and and Zane is a sweetheart. She might not remember me, uh, <laughs> but she'll always remember Kalima, of course. And um, that made me want to be an entrepreneur, even okay. more. So. And then I became a party promoter, started a t-shirt business. And then I'm coming home from this club 
my mom says, son, you got to do something with this karate shit. So no matter what, because no matter what time you come home, you do your jog, you do all this kicking and punching and grunting. I'm sick of it. And I'm sick of you coming <laughs> in, you know, um, smelling like champagne. Mm. And um, she told me that on a Monday, you know, like, I guess Tuesday morning, because you, you always party on a Monday. That's when the real party mm-hmm. Exactly. People don't know that. Like, you party on a Monday. That's that's yeah. the fly stuff. That's when you put your best on. And came home, I guess that's Tuesday morning. She sees me about to go do my three to five mile jog. She talks to me. I come in, I go to sleep, and I have the most vivid dream that I'm the trainer, the best trainer in the States or whatever. I go out Saturday. Mm-hmm. I meet this this woman, so that was Tuesday. I meet this woman on Saturday named Leah. Well, let me let me slow it down. I go to I go to this club, this particular club where you had to pay like three hundred per bottle mm-hmm. to get in, especially if you didn't have no woman with you. No, so my man X with me because you know we only go on the fly stuff. So, <laughs> um, you know you wasn't spending money on like those. Those four fifty five hundred dollar Gucci sneakers back then with the real leather, not the fake leather <laughs> they have now. Um, not the not the being fly places. Um, at least that was the attitude back then, right? So, going to that club is just us in the VIP booth, me and my man, and um, these six or seven women come by and ask could they sit with us. Mm-hmm. Like sure, you know they all look Brazilian or something like that, like different, you know. And I just was talking to them how I'm gonna be the dopest trainer the world has ever seen, and I was dirty outside. I'm gonna be so dope or whatever. And then one of the women just said, "Can you please just shut the hell up?" And, um, <laughs> Um, she took my shades off and she was just like, you just got to shut up. And can you please just, just fly to San Diego? I train such and such and such. I'll get you a great deal on a hotel. I train the vice president of this particular hotel. And um, the rest is history. I flew out two weeks later to Diego to start my fitness journey. Look at that. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was all written. I always tell people it was red. And then, wow. um, I did my my first cert was like wits, you know, world instructional training, something. And you had to intern, you had to do like 40 hours of an intern to get your cert. And then you had to do an in-house test and a and a practical, meaning like they the pass your test, they'll tell you like, oh, this person has a bad knee and hip. How would you stretch them? How would you help it? That's how the certification, my first certification went. It wasn't just like you mm. go online and take a test. Right. So it was at a community college. And um, so I did that. I got hooked up. She hooked me up with a particular woman. This woman hooked me up with this trainer named Steve Valles and Eric Slayton. I, I name these people because I want people to know, um, you know, the backdrop of things that I'm not like some some Superman that did it without other people. Um, so. And then I went to New York Underground 
so Eric owns New York Underground and I was, and Steve taught me how to stretch and about the principles of foam roller and Maya fascia release and things of that nature. And then he told me to go to Equinox and my pops had a court date in Harlem and I was just like, yo, I'm gonna get suited. <laughs> so I got dressed up, I grabbed my envelope to show my new certification. So I walked from 125th to 43rd and 5th, to that Equinox on 43rd and 5th. But I was looking for the Equinox on Lexington Avenue, but I couldn't mm -hmm. find it, right? So I mm -hmm. ended up on 43rd and 5th, and I was on foot, dress shoes on, suit and everything. Mm. And this guy who had an in, so I fill out the form because I thought you can just walk into the gym, but Equinox is like, nah, they got to call you this, that, and the third. And I'm the very professional like that. And it's in the, and then shout out to uh, Brian at the front desk. I'll never forget you, brother. He had to <laughs> fill out the application. He asked me to chill for a second. He was just talking to me about my background. I was like, yeah, you know, I'm a dope martial artist, blah, 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 yada, 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 box. You know, just giving him my whole 411. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the managers named Steve came up the steps and he was like, Rodney, you 15 minutes late. Oh. And I was like, what? And Brian gave me the head now to go down. Don't say nothing. You know, that street rule. Don't say <laughs> yeah. nothing. Go down. So I went down. And I'm killing this interview. And they were like, yo, you're not the person we're looking for. <laughs> but we need you. And that's, that's how I got into Equinox. Yeah. Yeah. That that like my whole fitness journey is movie-esque, just like that. You need yeah. to do uh, a book. Hell, you can do a whole podcast episodes and break them down. You can yeah. do that. So are you doing virtual training too? If somebody am, wants I to hire. I have um, a really great program for everybody that can't come train with me in person. It's called the Fire Starter Program. Um, it's 300 for the month. And we train three to four times a week for 25 minutes each time. I give you actually homework and nutritional advice throughout the program. Okay. So basically to put it in reference, I am normally 250 to 300 for the hour in person um so you get all of me for 300 for the whole month so basically it ends up being like 17 dollars a session virtually okay. so. and um, i'm there for you we we can flow with time and it's just i'm really just ultimately i'm trying to build a community of of fit people um so i i did a, a trial run of it last year and you know the oldest person I had was like 72 mm. and they were able to lose 22 pounds in three months of the program and the youngest person I had was like 25 and she was able to lose like 35 pounds in four months of the program so yeah that's good so I want you to take this time and plug where people can find you how can we find you okay you can find me at Be Elite Fitness on Instagram. You can find me Virtual Fitness League, my other company. That's my group fitness company on Instagram. 
Um, my personal page on Instagram is Netaru Resh. So I'll spell that. It's N-T-R-U-R-E-S-H. Um, you can also check out the website, www.beelitenyc.com and buy some gear and check out the other fitness programs I provide. And you can also check www.v-f-l.com for the Virtual Fitness League. That is my, I am co-owner of that. Like I stated in the beginning, um, it's a group fitness company. Um, we do different classes, even like intro to tap dance. Like if you want to learn to tap dance, we have a tap dancer instructor that you can take the class. All the classes are 30 minutes and um, boxing classes. Uh, we have a mindfulness meditation class every Monday at 5.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time to start your day. And um, I do a podcast on YouTube called The Morning Jump Off every Monday at 4.30 a.m. And um, I think that's all of my contact information. Um, yeah. Okay. And I go well, by the name Capresh. Capresh is like saying kept fresh. So Capresh, or you see it sometimes come up as Ronnie. And um, that's pretty much it. All right. Well, I appreciate you for being on today as a guest on my podcast. You've been dope. I'm glad that you was able to share your story with me and the people, my listeners. They'll learn a lot from you. So make sure you guys go ahead and give him a follow. I'm going to put this information as well on the show notes so you can have that information. So as always, I appreciate everyone for listening because you could be anywhere in the world, but you're here with me. On to the next one. Have a good one. We're out. Peace. Hey, gorgeous people. One last thing. You can find the podcast on the following platforms. Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, Breaker, CastBox, Overcast, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public. You can listen to the podcast really on any platform that you prefer to listen to this episode or any of my episodes. And one last thing, uh, leave us a review on iTunes. That's the way they can find us. The more the reviews are on there, the more the podcast gets to be seen. As always, I appreciate you guys. And until the next one, have a good one.